Would you pray with me? Lord, quiet our minds. May the meditations of all of our hearts be glorifying to you. As we listen to your word and seek to better understand our part. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. For those getting ready to settle in for a Sunday morning nap, let me get you started with a little lullaby. Now I lay me down to sleep. The sermon's long and the subject's deep. If she should finish before I wake, somebody please give me a shake. <laughs> yeah. You may think it's dangerous to start a sermon talking of sleep and lullabies. But Psalm 131 has an ancient lullaby tone. Listen to it again. O oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great or too marvelous for me. I've calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like the weaned child that is within me. A lullaby. And a lullaby is perhaps the most poignant example of trust, of unquestioned peace. Can you imagine a deeper picture of serenity than late at night in a nursery when a mom rocks her baby to sleep singing a lullaby? And as I think of peaceful sleeps I had as a child, I think of the holidays, a part of the holidays that many people don't often talk about, the car rides, the car rides to and from the grandparents and family. Now, most households did not have a family of six crammed into a single car like mine. But saying that, Austin and April, we're thinking of you this morning as you travel back from seeing family. I'll never forget the security I felt with a big brother on either side of me, stuck in the middle of the car, belly full of food, worn out from playing with my cousins all day. The only thing that can make it more peaceful in my mind was if it was pouring down rain. If it was dark and I heard the patter of the rain on the car while I was warm and safe inside, I was sure to fall asleep on my brother's shoulder pretty quickly. But now that I'm an adult and have unfortunately driven through a few of these torrential downpours, I don't think I would describe it as peaceful. I would use tense, nerve-wracking, a little scary sometimes, basically the opposite of peaceful. But as a child, I wasn't aware that my dad couldn't see but 10 yards in front of him as he drove the car. I just knew my dad was driving and I trusted him completely unquestionably, the way a child can. And so I was able to sleep in peace in the midst of the storm. This Sunday is the second Sunday in Advent, the Sunday where we celebrate 
the peace of Christ. Peace. There is a reason that world peace, the desire for world peace, is a cliche. Because who wouldn't say they wanted world peace? But we don't have to look very far to be reminded of the lack of peace. And if I'm honest, I can simply start by looking at myself. An 11-year-old named Alexandra described peace in this way. Peace is something that's almost impossible. There's always fights, problems, and stress. Big things like wars and small things like bickering always happen. But every once in a while, the world may have a minute of peace. This is an 11-year-old already already resigned to just a minute of peace every once in a while. But the realism of life supports her theory. We're daily faced with our own limitations, with the stubbornness of society, and with the reality of life's dark tragedies. But this isn't different from what the writers of the Psalms faced. The writer of Psalm 23 had walked through the valley of the shadow of death. The writer of the 46th Psalm knew what it was for the world to shake and the walls to wobble before describing God as strong fortress. And this seemingly simple lullaby was written by someone who knew what it was to raise their eyes too high to be occupied by things too marvelous. To put it another way, to buy into the promise that they could curate their life, they could minimize their losses and stand on their own successes, only to find that might not be true. And realizing that was not the way of peace. So instead, We're challenged to go back to the basics, to the truths that we knew as a child, the patience and wonder with mystery, with that we can't explain or control, a calm confidence and quiet strength. Not a juvenile dependency, but childlike trust. A trust that is rooted even deeper than what we believe about God, because it's a peace that passes our understanding, a mature faith that's deeper than knowledge, deeper than our theology. Dr. Yolanda Pierce, Dean of Howard School of Divinity, wrote a book called In My Grandmother's House, and in it she wrote, as we knelt at the foot of my childhood bed, my grandmother introduced me to Jesus. She did not introduce me to religion. She gave me Jesus. Her grandmother was teaching and modeling this mature faith, a faith that's deeper than knowledge, a faith that's based on a relationship with Jesus. 
a faith that would continue to seek to trust God even in the midst of life's disasters, a faith that could handle personal limitations and tragic dimensions of life, a faith that could be tested, even if never fully explained. There once was a king who held a huge competition in his kingdom for all of the artists. He was gonna give a great prize to whoever could best depict peace. People sent in work from all over the kingdom. There were paintings and poems, everyone with their own interpretation of peace. But there was one painting that stood out. It was gorgeous. It had a calm, beautiful blue lake, perfectly mirroring the peaceful snow-capped mountains. The sky was clear with a few white fluffy clouds. Even the other artist admitted, this is it, this is peace. But when the king announced the winner, everyone was a little shocked. You see, the painting that won also had mountains, but they were rugged and bare. The sky was angry, there was lightning. It looked like the artist had sent in a painting of storm, not peace. But if you looked closely, you could see this little bush growing up out of the rock. And you could see a mother bird who had built her nest and was simply sitting amidst the storm. This one, the depiction of true peace. Peace does not mean to be in a place where there's no noise or trouble. It means to be in the midst of chaos and still have calm. And we can sleep soundly like Jesus did when he modeled it for, him, for us himself, frustrating and amazing the disciples when he fell asleep in the boat in the midst of a storm. But this Advent, let's hasten to remember that this peace that God promises us is more than just indescribable calm amidst life's challenges. It is that, but it's so much more. These moments of tremendous peace that we can't begin to understand or explain are a sign of God's kingdom breaking in. A kingdom that is based on peace, ruled by the Prince of Peace, establishing justice and righteousness for everyone. It's a small glimpse of that. It's something we see dimly now but one day we'll fully know. And scripture gives us beautiful images of this kind of world with this kind of peace. A lion laying down with a lamb, a leopard with kid, swords beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. And the reason that these images are so striking is because we know the nature of a lion and a leopard. We know the heartbreak and horror of war. 
We know the instincts of humanity and honestly, ourselves. So this is why we celebrate Advent. This is why we together confess, Lord Jesus, come. Look again to our gospel lesson. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He's raised up a mighty savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us. Thus, he's shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before to prepare, the, to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. And by the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide all our feet in the way of peace. This is it, dear family. This is our promise, yes. But this is also our charge. Each of our charge. To rest in this peace that passes understanding, yes but also to prepare the way, to translate our deep desire for peace into action now, in the present, and to continue to act in light of this coming peace, even among life's disappointments. This is our charge. As we anticipate the return of the Prince of Peace, as we anticipate the full glory of the kingdom of God, as we catch small glimpses here and now, we together wait. But we're active in our waiting. Waiting when the dawn from on high will break upon us, giving light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, and guiding all of us into the way of peace. Peace on earth. May it be so. Amen.